Before we get started, I'd like to say thank you to CoinKite for supporting this show. To me, CoinKite seems much more like a bunch of Bitcoin geeks making cool shit than a formal company. This, however, doesn't mean they don't take their work seriously. Quite on the contrary, as these guys take more of an adversarial mindset to the products they develop than any other company that I'm aware of in the Bitcoin space. Their most popular product is the cold card hardware wallet, which has become an extremely popular method amongst hardcore Bitcoiners for self-custodying their Bitcoin. The most recent version of this product, the MK4, is out now with several new features designed to increase ease of use, introduce even more security features for multiple attack vectors, and make the degree of security which cold card offers more robust than ever. Thankfully, these guys also like to have some fun and tinker with some not-so-serious products, which has resulted in a personal favorite of mine, the Block Clock Mini. Whether you've begun orienting your life around block time, need to check an open dime balance, want to keep an eye on the Bitcoin exchange rate, or just get a kick out of watching Moscow time slowly trend towards zero, the Block Clock Mini has become a favored piece of Bitcoin paraphernalia and an increasingly less subtle way of signaling that you've become fully orange-pilled. To learn more about all their awesome products and stay up to date on what they're working on, visit coinkite.com. Let's do it. We're live, baby. How are you? It's been way Got too it. long. It has, man. It has. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, I got to do this right, though, haven't I? I how, how do you do it? What do you, what do you mean you, do you it pros- right? Is this is this how we record pods these days, John? Like, uh, <laughs> the last couple of I got a hey, shirt man, on though, what, right? However you're comfortable. Yeah, I mean you're looking a little bit formal for my podcast. You might want to remove some yeah, clothing so, and you know stay horizontal I like got, that. I Ooh, got a beer though. Nice. I got a ghost ship. You know, it's it's five o'clock here in the UK, John. What do you expect on a Friday? Yeah, it's it's only uh, half noon here, and I. Uh, I, I tend to push the alcohol back to like six or seven o'clock if it happens, you know, <laughs> I just become, I become a complete, you know, sack of shit as soon as like, you know, it's like Will Ferrell in, um, in old school, right? It's like, once it hits once your lips, it hits the it lips. lips, like I'm, I'm just, I'm done. So I have to, I have to push that off. So I won't be joining you today. You're Frank the Tank. Yeah, exactly. And I, to be perfectly honest, I have to be honest with you. The reason why I was a little late was, um, see, typically before pods and stuff, I go out for a run or a swim or a workout of some kind. And I come back like a half an hour or an hour beforehand. But uh, as I think I told you, I've been writing a lot more lately. And it's not uncommon when like I'll be out doing a workout or something and like just some like the muse will just strike. Right. And I, I just sit in front of my computer and my fingers start wagging and you know, like it had, I can't stop until it stops. And uh, so the reason why I was a little delayed today is because I was in a little bit of a flow thing and I, I didn't want to break it. No problem, brother. No problem. So last I saw you, like I said, I mean, I wanted to, I was gonna, we were just going to do this privately, but I figured, you know, why the hell not do it publicly? But last time I saw you was at, was in Miami and all I seem to be seeing from you on Twitter since then is you gallivanting around doing Bitcoin stuff all over the world, you know, mixing it up with, uh, you know, special people all over the place. So I figured maybe getting you on for, uh, an update on how Miami and since has been, what, what, what that's been like for you. Yeah. Well, that was the last time and the first time we met, right? which uh is yeah i weird. guess you're right which seems weird yeah it seems super weird but 
Yeah, that's true. Which is great, so, by the way. It was amazing. It was amazing. Meeting you and your old man was, uh, yeah, it was a special moment. Uh, like that, that was our first morning breakfast. Well, you, you guys had already been there a little longer. Uh, but we, we turned up and uh, yeah, the first thing on the agenda for me was to wake up and have breakfast with JV and his old man. And it was uh, <laughs> a special, a special remember... moment because, go ahead. Sorry, sorry mate, the lag is, is fucking us up a little bit. I was just going to say, I remember um, thinking that morning, like, I wish we could just sit here all day and, and drink and, you know, reminisce. And, but I think we all, we, we all had different obligations already, but it was a great great breakfast for sure yeah it was amazing mate um and when you think how far uh you know we've come we we first well i'd been listening to your show for well way back in 2019 probably i found you uh at the start of 2019 and listening to the uh the rapid fire and then starting my own show and, and you coming on i think it was around march 2020 uh yeah, it was, right? Because lockdown had just, you know, all of this mad shit had just started uh, playing out. I think so. And then to finally actually meet each other uh, a solid two years later after that was um, <laughs> was very weird. But, um, you know, you, you've had discussions about this, uh, the plebs that have uh, finally met each other um, and experienced that. Uh, it, it's it's a special moment to, to finally, you know, put a you know, put a handshake on someone that you've been uh, chatting with for, for so long and, and learning so much from as well. Uh, so mm. yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. And um, yeah, Miami was crazy, man. Uh, like, you know, I wasn't supposed to be there. Um, I did not buy my tickets, uh, flight tickets to get out there until like two weeks to the, um, to, to the conference starting. Uh, the reason being a couple of circumstances arose, uh, which involved the president of Madeira and Prince Philip of Serbia, who had just been on the show, and um, some uh, high-level conversations and some high-level meetings that were set up and put in place. So I felt that there was no way I could not be part of those conversations. Uh, it would be something I would have uh, regretted for the rest of my life if I did not make arrangements to go. So I did have to make some arrangements to go. I had to part with some Bitcoin to uh, upgrade my um, medical condition. Uh, so I could be uh, allowed across the U.S. border, which, fun fact, by the way, um, is still closed to uh, us Euro plebs that have chosen against a certain uh, medical procedure, which still blows my mind uh, that, that no one's even talking about that anymore. It's just absolutely crazy. Uh, but there you go. Yeah, well. um, managed to get there and uh, got to meet yourself, got to have some incredible, uh, incredible conversations Got to see Sailor in um, in full flight. Uh, we had um, we were graciously invited uh, to attend a breakfast with with Michael, uh, with the president of Madeira, uh, his head of cabinet, and the the head of the International Business Center on Madeira, uh, along with uh, Prince Philip, uh, myself, and uh, Andre Loja, the the pleb in Madeira who has managed to start orange pilling. Uh, the president himself and and other uh, very interesting, notable people within the island, and uh, we we arrived at um, at Sailor's uh, beautiful villa. Uh, I, I know you know what it looks like, but for those people that don't, 
just look on the internet. It's called Villa Vecchia. You see whatever you need to. Find. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it's a, where it's a nice, we were. It's a nice spot. Nice yeah, spot. E- exactly. And um, you know, and Mike just said, uh, "How do you gentlemen want to spend the time this morning?" Um, we we had an incredible breakfast, and uh, we explained that uh, the president was considering the um, adoption in air quotes uh, of Bitcoin on the island of Madeira or more just wanted more education around the the topic. And then uh, Sailor did what Sailor does. He spent the next 45 minutes ramming (laughs) orange pills down everybody's neck. (laughs) Uh, he, he, He opened, I think his opening sentence was, I will give you my uh, on my humble opinion on how a nation should adopt Bitcoin and you can do with that what you want. And then he went and it was amazing. It was just classic sailor. And what, uh, what, and, what, is, what is his opinion about how a nation state should adopt Bitcoin or what was it at the time at least? Concentrate on education. Like you, you don't need to come out and say it's legal tender. You don't need to come out and say, you know, we are adopting. You don't need to you know, ruffle any EU feathers or anything like that. Just concentrate on getting the message to your people. Uh, it's all about education and build infrastructure around that. And um, that's, that was the message. Uh, it's not exactly what the president delivered on stage. Uh, you know, I, I think he did use the word adopting or can't remember exactly everything was such a blur you can go back and look for yourself i suppose on the videos um but uh but this you know since then you know this this hasn't let up uh this is still going forward there were a bunch of us uh on the island together at the invitation of the president and his cabinet and uh, andre again was very instrumental in in pulling key people across uh from all different areas of of Bitcoin to bring in different uh, expertise and um, viewpoints. Uh, and we, we went around meeting uh, all of these different departments. This happened in June and uh, having very high level meetings. And um, there's going to be a, yeah, there's going to be an announcement coming out pretty soon. I can't say too much more. I don't want to steal any thunder, but uh, rest assured things are being built and it is being built around education uh, especially, um, you know, to the local language, Portuguese, which there's only 250,000 inhabitants of Madeira, give or take, but, um, you know, hundreds of millions of people speak Portuguese. So there is, a, there's, there's a huge opportunity here and a huge opportunity for Madeira to become kind of become the, the Bitcoin hub of Europe or kind of pulling El Salvador uh, but strong competition because look what's going on in the Isle of Man right now with uh, with the work Danny Scott and team are doing over at um, Coin Corner, which is uh, amazing to see. And Gibraltar, mm-hmm. Gibraltar just last week, uh, there, was, there was big news coming out of Gibraltar. Costa Coffee Chain there is now accepting Bitcoin in all of their stores, and really? more merchant yeah more merchant adoption is coming um, <laughs> on that island as well. And that's that's under you know British. Um, British rule so it's great these these little satellite islands like Madeira is a satellite island of, uh, of Portugal so it has some autonomy away from the mainland like Isle of Man in the UK has a little autonomy uh, so does Gibraltar so and Malta as we know um, 
the, you know, these are good hunting grounds for, for any plebs out there mm. listening to this that uh, are in some of these jurisdictions or similar, you know, go build, go reach out. Uh, it's so much easier to, um, to have such a, you know, a big impact in, um, you know, one of these islands with small populations. Yeah, and way way fewer headwinds too, obviously. But I think I told you this about the um, the president of Madeira. But I was I introduced uh, Samson when he was making when and Samson introduced President of Madeira. I think a guy, an American dude from Prospera, I believe, like yes. a representative from Prospera, and uh, Indira, the the senator from Mexico. Not mm-hmm. I can't remember her full name. Um, and so I guess when Samson or she was uh, out on stage delivering their remarks, the president of Madeira, after, I think it was after the president and the Prosper guy had already spoken, were, there, were all there just to the side of the stage, you know, behind the, like, invisible, invisible from the, uh, the audience. And the president of Madeira was there telling the Prosper guy, like, how to stand. And, like, he was like, you got to, you got to, like, you got to don't move around. Don't move around. Just plant your feet and bring up all your energy from here. And he was like rubbing his like groin area. Right. He was like right here, right here. You got to, you know, just like ground yourself and bring up all the energy. And this is where you speak from. That's, that's how you, you deliver like a confident speech. You know, you don't want to be moving around. You don't want to be flailing your arms and, and all that kind of shit. And I was standing like right next to them. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, I think, to be honest, like everyone at the conference was expecting bigger announcements and maybe there had been some plan, but, you know, things change and uh, maybe they had to, to come up with some a slew of m- smaller announcements to make up for the lack of a bigger announcement. But what was uh, what was it like in in Madeira, you know, when you went to visit and speak with everybody? Was it nice? Like, was it yeah, a place it you can spend some time? Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Uh, I urge anybody to go and check it out. Um, but more importantly, the, you know, the, the level of the questions from the people that we were meeting were very much on point, you know, these weren't, um, we, and we, very importantly, we were welcomed, like uh, wholly welcomed. There was, there was not a cold meeting at all. You know, sometimes it can be a little bit weird. Um, they, you know, they, they don't, people don't want to listen to these crazy fucking psychopaths talking about magic internet money. This was not the case. This was not the case at all. And, and I guess, uh, uh, you know, a lot of that would be due to the fact that um, the, the president, you know, put in the work and he went to, uh, he went to Miami and he, he has started learning about it. He started reading some of the books and he's met some of the authors. And um, this is clearly an agenda of his that he wants to push. Uh, so, you know, it's bringing everybody else into line with him, I suppose, uh, and having the opportunity to to sit in those meetings and participate in those meetings was um, yeah it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, we, we met, met the finance minister, for example, and uh, swag bombed him a load of books uh, in Portuguese, which uh, Nico from uh, Consensus Network and Andre Andre himself runs Monstera Books, uh, and between them, they're just trying to translate as much. Uh, Bitcoin content into Portuguese as possible. So he was he was getting books. For, he was getting Jeff's book signed. He was getting Safe's books. Uh, he was getting layered money. 
you know, it was um, amazing. It's like, right, go do your homework. And uh, if you've got any questions, you can email any single one of us here. Um, and these were the kind of conversations that were happening. It was um, very, very bullish. It was an incredible four or five days. And do you think they'll um, avoid the shit coinery? Yeah, we have a plan for that. Great. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... that's well, yeah, that 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 will be announced. Um, but uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. They have so far. There are some uh, crypto-related companies on the island which uh, needs a little bit more due diligence going into them. Uh, apparently, they offer storage solutions for digital assets. Um, but they'll they'll be picked apart, and um, we'll be able to raise the red flag if we see any. Uh, no. dodgy dodgy goings on let's put it that way. right was the um what was the president's reaction to that uh orange pilling by sailor like was he just sat back taking it all in did he have you know questions that needed answering like I can, we can all appreciate what it's like when sailor gets on a rant of course but like was the president engaged or informed enough to actually have some follow-up very very early days in their in their journey like you know that they, they, they just got off the plane from madeira they had no idea what they were walking into really and then they were just bombarded <laughs> with uh you know all of uh all of the information not just from sailor but um the the next night we were at dinner with uh max and stacy and uh and samson and um tour was there as well uh you know a great table and um and max just went on a he, you know, he maxed them. Not only did they get sailored, but they got maxed as well. So the, at that point, it was just like, you know, being caught in a, in a kind of a hairdryer, you know, just a information coming straight <laughs> at you. But the questions they had were, you know, they were open. They were um, all around, uh, you know, how do we learn more? Uh, how do we reach... Uh, the they call them the diaspora that means the um expatriates of madeira mm -hmm. there's there's a mm -hmm. huge population of people that were born in madeira but live away in in different other countries um you know how do we do that how do we bring this all together uh so man yeah it was it was uh, it was amazing it was truly amazing did max opine on uh what you mentioned regarding you know the differing opinions which Sailor expressed his about the way to go about introducing Bitcoin to a country, you know, but I'm sure there's maybe several nuances, but basically either declare a legal tender, make a big splash about it, plant the flag of Bitcoin and attract all of the good and bad attention as a result of doing so. And of course you have to, you know, there's a, perhaps a, like an ethical implication there. Like, do you want Bitcoin to be a top down or bottom up sort of phenom phenomenon um, or just, deregulate allow it to be used as any other currency and don't make much of a stink or fuss about it and just let the market and people's preferences and, and behaviors dictate how it unfolds no his his was more personal more like this is why you need bitcoin right. and uh, you know even um answering questions around and, um the mining process uh and, and things of that nature um the, yeah he i don't remember him um he's given too much of an opinion on what do you uh, think about that states. uh i think there's a lot of buzzwords in there right i mean you know like what 
announce legal tender? I mean, do we need anybody to tell us what we can or can't use as a medium of exchange? Isn't that the whole mm. point of uh, of Bitcoin in the first place? No yeah. one needs to tell me that. Yeah, okay, Dan, it's now legal for you to use Bitcoin. It's like, well, fuck it, I've been using it for ages. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I think having uh, been a party to these meetings, um, I, I do think education is the uh, the best approach. If you can get the people uh, on board in in such a fashion that they understand how it can help them, how it can help their businesses, how it can help their families, how it can save their their wealth. You know, there's so much here to, to learn, uh, but, you know, it has to start there. It has to start with education. And if you've got somebody such as the president of the nation or the president of an island or a semi-autonomous zone that is willing to, to push that and to back that and to even fund that to a certain degree, then you, you, you've really got to start running with it and uh i just hope this is the first of uh of many others that might want to um you know watch this learn from this and uh and see what happens from it um because you, you i mean you and i know the power of this thing it's very very difficult to to get that across in the first 20 minutes of, of meeting anybody and yeah. as long as it's a sustained effort like one or two years of um, of showing up with the same message, with the same concern, and with uh, integrity, you will earn the trust of people, and they they will go out and, and start doing their own research. Um, I, I think that's the way. That's the best approach. Yeah, no, I agree, and I I think that was one of the big criticisms of how El Salvador went about things. I mean, you could you could a lot of people were critical of the you know, part of how they went about it in terms of forcing businesses to accept Bitcoin, of course, and those are valid criticisms as far as I'm concerned, but there was also so little education uh, around what they were doing. You know, they just dropped it on everyone. And like, I think there was basically none, which I think is part of the reason why uh, after like an initial boost, things maybe have not stalled out, but they, they certainly haven't, uh, taken hold maybe as uh, strongly as people were expecting. And because, you know, there's a lot to unpack here and <laughs> especially, especially people that don't have the luxury of just, you know, having a variety of different assets in their investment portfolio, like, you know, people that are literally using money as money on a daily basis and, you know, save a little, spend, spend the majority of it. And it's kind of life or death. Uh, they need to have a high degree of confidence in what they're doing and what they're engaging in and why they're, why this option is might be appealing to them. And it just seemed like none of that was there. So I think other jurisdictions are probably going to learn from that example and focus on education and not so much just, you know, and I know we were all super excited about it, but uh, you know, pushing something through really quickly with very little context and, mm -hmm. you know, I hopefully things still go well there, but you know, as is always the case, education, is what's required for you to make your own decisions about what is best for you and how to engage a variety of things. And so it's good to hear that that's the course that the guys in Madeira are taking. Well, you, you know, you watch and learn, right. Um, 
I think we're all of the agreement that what El Salvador did was huge. The announcement, obviously, at Bitcoin 2021 was massive. Uh, Bukele then following that up with his own, um, what did he do? He was beamed down from a spaceship or something in, in El Salvador. <laughs> like, you know, the, <laughs> real cringy stuff, naive. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that, that was headline grabbing stuff, right? Mm. Whether that was the... Um, intent that that was the approach you know who knows we we weren't party to, to those conversations i can only talk about the conversations i have been party to and that you know it's it, none of those gimmicks have come up let's put it that way it's a yeah. it's a very very um it's, it's a much more uh, structured approach and you know I, I tweeted earlier you know if you think you've stacked enough bitcoin uh, think back to why you started and how far you've come since then. And, you know, just think about like just us two years ago, go back and listen to our first rip on, on my pod with different people, mate, with different people. And at that point, we'd already been down the rabbit hole a pretty long time, right? Uh, mm -hmm. March, 2020. Um, and, and here we are, July, 2022. Oh, like um, it, it does not stop changing you it's almost like it goes cell by cell uh, you know, throughout your body it's uh or synapse by synapse i don't know you, you know you, you've you've delved into this way more than i have um we, we've all felt the change this isn't woo woo shit anymore this is um this is incredible what's happening to to so many of us uh so you know take it take it one year at a time Madeira will look like a completely different place in, in a year's time. And then a year after that, and then a year after that, and, and hopefully um, other, other jurisdictions will be, you know, dragged along in the wake. Yeah, hopefully. And, you know, with, with the Bitcoin city announcement and stuff, I mean, of course, you know, centrally planning a city to the extent that's what is in fact planned. And maybe it's not, maybe it's, you know, maybe they don't intend to be that involved or whatever. And all the hoopla around it, like, of course, on, on one level, it's cringe. But on the other hand, you're like, it's great to see someone who's so unabashedly like all in balls to the wall in Bitcoin, right? Like, fuck the IMF and the World Bank and the US government and all the haters. And let's just be as absurd as possible. I mean, there's something very Bitcoin about that, right? About just being off the wall, ridiculous about how much you're, you know, you're into this and you want this to succeed. So even though I might have my gripes with the way they went about things you know i i i still appreciate the pizzazz let's say everything's good for bitcoin mate we know that. <laughs> yeah we know that i think much. was speaking of like you know doing pods a, a while ago didn't we do one you and i hi pim <laughs> you're on camera hey, pim. <laughs> <laughs> um you and I and Larry White and maybe some other people. Did we do that like it was, in 2020 it was you, as well? It was you, me, Kayvan, and yeah, was that his name? Lawrence White? Larry White? Yeah, yeah. The gold dude? Yeah, from, that from, was, the, um, from the Cato Institute. So, yeah, somewhere like yeah. that. That was, yeah, that was the back end of 20, I think, that we did that. Right. That seems like so long ago, to your point. Uh, yeah. Um. um what do you think about where we're at today in the world? I mean, I want to hear more about your stories about where you've been and, and what you've been up to, but you know, yeah. we're in inter in interesting times uh, on a number of different 
levels. So mm -hmm. well, you, what's, your in, uh, what's your take on the world? We're, we're in clown world 4.0, aren't we? Like, oh, uh, man. This, this is clown world at plaid speed. It's, it's just freaking <laughs> retarded out there. It's absolutely <laughs> like, you know, it's like you peek through the curtain uh, at Normyland and you're like, holy fuck, what's going on out there? Like, this is ridiculous. It's absolutely unreal, mate. Um, we're dealing with our own personal shit. Uh, we've been through the mill of Clown World for the last um, four months or so. The, the authorities in France, um, where we live, the, the homeschooling Nazi police have, uh, have been clamping down on, um, on really? homeschooling across France. Yeah, because... Is it illegal? States, not yet, but they want to make it illegal. You know, nation state's going to nation state, right? Uh, mm. This is... Um, and that's so a huge fucked. red flag. A huge red yeah. flag when you take away uh, a family's choice over how to educate their own children. Uh, you know, right now, the way it's set up is you have to go through, you have to wade through a shit ton of bureaucracy and administration, but you can get it done if you, you know, if you stick it out and you stay the path. Get, get what done? You, uh, homeschool your kids, take them out of the yeah, state but, education but, system. But you need... Like you need permission to not yeah. enroll them in the state education yes. system. Yep. Holy fuck. Yep. It, so it's you not just can't like have kids and educate them how you want. I'm a, I'm obviously yeah. super naive here, but I mean that would seem like to me a pretty foundational option to have as an individual. Like I want to oh, I want to educate my own kids. You'd you'd think so, right? Uh, it's it's illegal in many countries, uh, in Europe especially, uh, including Sweden, Holland, like randomly enough, um, Germany. Uh, you know, fun fact that Hitler and Goebbels, when they come to full power in 1938, the you know the Nazi Party come to power in 33, but the military was still the military. They had their own thing going on, right? Until in 38. Um, they set up the head of the military, some huge scandal. He had to resign. He was off. So the military come under full control of the Nazi party. So the Nazi party by that point had full control over Germany. The first bill that Hitler and Goebbels put through was to um, make homeschooling illegal. Uh, and up until that point, it had been pre very prevalent amongst um, the, the middle to upper middle classes uh, and perhaps even some of the more elite families to, to homeschool their, their, their children. Um, no, bam. Ask yourself why, you know. And this has never been repealed in Germany, and it's still the freaking case that it is absolutely illegal. You have to send your children to state education. Um, and it's not public education. I want to make that absolutely clear. Like, that's a nice little meme just to paper over the fact that it's state education. Yeah. And, uh, you know, free education as a human right is another nice little meme that they use. So in France now, they're really trying to clamp down on it. And um, they, uh, they, they've told us that one of our kids is, uh, is not being accepted to be uh, homeschooled. Um, so we're going through that. We're fighting that. And uh, just so happens, same, same daughter, uh, we applied for, she needed a new passport right uh, a new um slave travel document uh <laughs> so that she's allowed to travel outside of you know like uh lines in the sand 
so we sent that thing off um, beginning of May because we needed to be in the UK for July for a big family gathering here, the whole side of my family. And still no document came through. And you, you just can't get through to these people, mate, to speak to someone because it's just department kicks you oh, to another department, to another department, and then you just can't speak to anyone. It's just a joke. And everyone's and no and nobody nobody's yeah nobody's responsible for anything so you can't no, of course nobody not. can be held accountable for anything. Classic clown world um, layering uh, to mm. to keep you you know in your place. So in the end, uh, Sophia and I, uh, I I put her in the car. We were supposed to be flying. Claire and the other kids flew. I put Sophia in the car and I drove the eleven hours to the border, uh, where I had an expired passport and my own passport and uh, explained the situation to the border crossing, uh, you know, the French border crossing and then the, the British. And they let us through. They let us through into England and we are now here. We can't get back because we don't have French passports. Uh, she does not have a French passport. And um, today I've been on the phone again and I've been contacting MPs. I've been contacting the consulate, the embassies. Oh my God. Hey, it's a clusterfuck. They've had this thing for over three months, right? And I was told today, it's at the examination stage of the process. I'm like, okay, explain that to me. What does that mean? Well, it just means that uh, one of our examiners has to examine it before they post it to you. I'm like, oh my god! Like this is, yeah, this is what we're dealing with out here in clown world. It's just a yeah. joke. The the, I mean, we've all encountered this in some form in our life, I'm sure. But like the, the size of the bureaucracy the lack of responsibility by any individual person in it, the complete and utter ineptitude, the, the upside down incentives to get anything done on any sort of timeline. Like literally everything is such that you're going to have the worst experience possible on the longest timeline possible at the greatest expense possible, you know, and the, mm -hmm. the in, it's just the inefficiencies and the cost and all the unnecessary waste of time and energy and other resources as a result of this i mean it you know of course you want to pull your hair out or scream or you know burn the whole thing down because it's so ridiculous but to you know the point you mentioned about education first of all it's just so it's still so crazy to me that if you just want to educate your own family in many places you're not allowed or at the very least you have to jump through a bunch of hoops before you do it. i mean it's just completely insane but also mm -hmm. you mentioned like some people think education is a is a human right and i've spoken with some politicians in the last few months i was at the oslo freedom forum in norway and you run into a lot of those sorts of people there but the the, the point is is what is education education exactly. is as as subjective and context dependent as value so when you say like, well, you know, out of the compassion of my heart and the empathy and a desire to minimize inequality and all that kind of stuff, my whatever, my position as an activist or as a government official or whatever is to, yeah, education, you know, has to be a part of what we provide our constituents. And that's, you know, part of our platform. It's like, well, first of all, even if you allow, even if let's forget the agenda aspect of education, right? Let's just assume that's not a part of it. Let's just assume an altruistic attempt to formulate an education. The education you give to a city dweller in London or a city dweller in Bogota should be very different 
than the education you give to someone who lives in a jungle community of 10,000 people, or even, you know, some small rural farming village in, in the UK or something like that. Like the, the skills they need, the understandings they need to extract value from their environment and produce value to their environment and to the other people within that environment are in many cases dramatically different. And so you standardizing what quote unquote education means, and then thinking you're doing people a service by just dropping it on the same thing on people in all sorts of different situations. Again, it's just creating more inefficiencies. It's inhibiting the ability for those people to learn the knowledge, you know, to acquire the knowledge and learn the skills that allow them to optimally engage with their environment, social and natural, in order to create value and ameliorate their situation. You're inhibiting that by just dumping a standardized education on them, dumping uh -huh. the costs associated with it on them and other people. I mean, you're, you're, you're hamstringing them. You're keeping them in a unequal situation where they cannot improve their environment uh, and ostensibly get to a place that you're trying to help them get to by, by, by providing this quote unquote free education. Um, and so many people fail to see that it's like, you know, education is one thing and medical care is one thing. And, you know, th these part, that's part of the conceit of even well-meaning people all around the world, be it politicians or otherwise, that the conceit is that they're defining all of these things as a unitary thing. And they're presuming the authority or the right or the, or the, or failing to appreciate the bias in defining those things as something singular, right? That's not actually subjective in most cases. And, and that as a result needs to be defined by each individual in each one of those environments in relation to that environment. But no, right. let's, let's formulate right. an, an, an education, same for everybody. Let's inject our biases and prejudices and agenda into it and just fucking drop it on people and expect a thank you in return for the service that we're doing, everyone. Absolutely. Uh, all right. If anybody wants to delve into this very quick read or very quick listen is Dumbing Us Down by John Taylor Gatto. And he, you've just basically nailed it. Um, that is what the education system has been designed to do. Dumb you down by getting everybody into this frenzied state of learning the exact same shit competing against each other and um you know in, in sat scores or whatever else you call them you know whatever acronym it is in in your country um but just keeping people basically non-productive non-creative you know sir ken robinson talked about this in his his ted talk still the most ever watched ted talk uh, do schools kill creativity? 100% they do. And there is a reason for that. And there is a reason, uh, you know, Gatto goes into this um, in his book, um, The Secret uh, History of uh, the American Education System, um, the likes of Ford and Rockefeller and Carnegie, and one other escapes me right now. Um, can't remember. Uh, really aggressively funding the education system uh, in the early, um, late 1700s, early 18, no, late 1800s, early 1900s, um, to get everybody into school, to get everybody learning the same thing, to get everybody completely freaking confused. Why are we teaching 13-year-old kids calculus? 
fuck me. Like <laughs> there's a reason, uh, and it is to confuse people and to make people feel as though they're worthless and that they're dumb. And they that way, by virtue of that, you create a uh, an easily led, malleable, manipulative, um, easily um, manipulative. Um, that's not the word, is it? I'm looking for manipulable um, society. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the extremely cynical view of it all, right? Like, I tend to think that it's it's more of a mix, like all these outcomes that you may have been right in identifying. I think I most often attribute things to incompetence rather than malice is what I often say. And I, uh, of yeah. course, like I'm, I'm not naive enough with to think that there's might, no agenda. One, there, I know. There's malice I know that, in this one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Fair I'm, enough. I've been down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> but, but even if there weren't, I mean, this is kind of the point. Let's say mm. you're in London, you're in Paris, you're in New York, you're in DC and these national standardized education curriculums are being devised and that they're you know like in in let's say you you then put them on a, a an entirely different environment you know and the the image that's coming to my mind now is like you know schools and education being funded in places like rural places in africa or, or latin america or something something like that well, and you know people might look at that and be like yeah. And people might look at that and be like, wow, that's, that's great. You know, like kids getting an education, but aside from yeah. what I mentioned before, where the education is not suited for the environment they're in, it mm -hmm. also like, where's, where was that education developed? Well, it was, in, it was developed in an entirely different environment and circumstance. And so what that education is going to do is going to pull those people toward the circumstance where it's more relevant. Now, of course, we're still going to be super critical of, of, of the contents of that curriculum and education, but suffice it to say that it's more relevant for let's, you know, the modern developed world than it might be for that particular environment. And so what you're going to end up doing, at least uh, directionally, if not absolutely, is you're going to be increasing the relevance of this other environment to those people getting that education. And you're going to suck them out of one environment toward another environment. And you're not yep. doing anything to fix the issues that you you supposedly are attempting to fix via this education, because the education is minimally relevant to that environment and more so relevant to this one. So you get this, you know, call it a brain drain. You get these people, if they're able to extricate themselves from that environment, doing so rather than equipping them with the, the requisite knowledge and skills to transform the environment that they're in into something that's better. And importantly, allowing them to determine what skills and knowledge are required to transform it in a way that they deem most valuable or beneficial or desired. Then you're creating um, sovereign individuals, Joe. We, we can't have that. <laughs> we, we like, you know, let's use the, the perfect meme of, you know, the, uh, the poor African kid that, you know, just if he could get that education, that little start in life, the same as, um, you know, the, uh, a US or Canadian student, you know, whatever you want to use. Like why? Okay, let's get that kid in the classroom. Okay, what does he need to know? Second World War history? Or does he need to know how to run an irrigation system or a hydro-powered irrigation system or wind-powered irrigation system for you know his 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 community and his uh you know father's farm? Like mm -hmm. right, we know the answer, but all these fuckers want to do is get him in a classroom and teach him 
numbers, figures, and you know, agenda, not curriculum, from the uh, developed Western world to to lift him up out of the poverty, and we're just being gaslit. Mm. It, it's uh, it, it's really and Bitcoin fixes this, obviously, because <laughs> if that kid had Bitcoin, he you know he could he, he has you know the, the the power to save and the power of choice, sure, uh, and can and you know that. And if everyone saved and used Bitcoin, then the government would be starved of the resources to impose these education systems on everyone that they see fit to do so. You know, and, and the other thing is, as a student in these places, you may not even recognize this consciously, but certainly subconsciously, you you go into class every day, you're getting an education, you're being tested on and judged on your ability to you know regurgitate or or otherwise learn this information, and then you go out in your day to day life. And there's this huge gap between what you're learning and what your environment is, what you're confronting in your environment. And I think, among other things, that serves to disengage people from one or the other, you know, either from their environment or from their education, because they say, like, the education is not relevant to my environment. You good? Or, or, uh, yeah like it, it just creates this gap between the two and what you want is to to maximize engagement by having your education be most compatible with your environment so that you can engage that environment to create value and find meaning and pursue actualization and all this kind of stuff but when you have this uh disparity because the education was developed or imposed in a in a in a way that's ignoring the realities of the environment in which the person who's receiving the education is for is must contend with then i think you get disengagement you get people checking out because it's like this it just seems irrelevant and mm -hmm. that's that's not you're not going to get optimal outcomes or results when you when you put people in a situation where you almost if not force where you incentivize or you foster their disengagement from the things that are able to improve their position in life. You know, it's, it's completely the opposite of what you want to be doing. And this is the part that, you know, those high and mighty people that want to get, bring education to everyone in the world and think it's such a good thing fail to recognize. Of course they do uh, because they've been brainwashed themselves. And, you know, a lot of people listening, Oh, I haven't been brainwashed. Well, we all have, we've all been programmed uh, every single one of us. Uh, and the, the state education system has been a huge part of that. Likely, most people listening to this have gone through it themselves. Have they, they carry their own traumas um, from that. I mean, it's minimum 15 years, right? Not, it's so aggressive if you think about it. Like, it was the age of five for me. I now know it's uh, a lot younger uh, in, other, in other countries. In France, like compulsory schooling starts from the age of three. Um, that's ripping a three-year-old away from the family unit. This is an attack on the family. This is what we talk about in Bitcoin all the time, right? Mm. Uh, then that, that child is being brought up under somebody else. This is 15 years minimum of their life in this institution at their most malleable uh, time of their lives uh, as their, their most formative years. Um, think where we could be as a society how many times were you told to stop looking out the window when you were sitting in a class you were just completely disengaged with? I mean, you know, what would you have rather been doing that day? And it could be something, uh, you know, in the UK, for example, most 
11 to 15, 17 year old boys just wanted to be playing football all day long. You know, in, in Canada, maybe it was hockey. In the US, maybe it was, uh, you know, whatever. Sport of choice doesn't matter. Or others might have been wanting to play their musical instruments that they just were infatuated by, whether it was the piano or the drums, but they couldn't because for eight to nine hours a day, they had to be locked away in these rooms. What about those kids that just wanted to lay down and watch the clouds go by and philosophize over life? You know, why are we here? What about the writers, the poets? You know, all of this gone, shattered, not allowed. It's sick, mm. completely sick. And now yeah. on top of that, you, you layer on like this four years of university. Like, look where that's got us nowadays with this whole freaking, <laughs> oh my God, like what is going on? Like, you know, you, again, glimpse into normie world and you don't know whether it's now LGBT plus QR squared, but now we can't, we, because of monkeypox and that's all the gays faults, we've got to drop the G and the LBT. Like, stay away, mate. It's, yeah, this is it's, going it's, on. This is being pushed through the universities. And now that's going to start trickling all down. These agendas are, you know, they're, they're disgusting. It's a, it, it boggles my mind where society could be if there had not been that intervention in so many children's lives. But sure. of course, the counter argument is, oh, yeah, but Dan, what about all the kids that get abused by that? It's like, oh, man. Yeah, of course. Right. OK, so let's lock them all up in a classroom then. Let's blanket lock everybody up in a classroom. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a multifaceted problem, of course, right? Because as you said, mm -hmm. I mean, if you if you erect a system that increasingly diminishes the importance and the role of the family in favor of the importance and role of the state, then you're going to, you're going to create a lot of, you're going to exacerbate a lot of these pre-existing problems. And then if you deprive people artificially by stealing their wealth, either through taxation or inflation, then you do so even more. And you also enable the state to, you know, uh, presume to play an even greater role and then, as we were saying before, when you when you dictate what an education should be, rather than allowing an education to be determined based on the context of the environment and the, the capacity and the proclivities of the individual, then you create that separation, that disengagement, the, the space between what ought to be the ed education, what is. And of course, you know, you get all of these problems that we're, we're seeing in society today. Now, part of the reason that we're so incredibly bullish on Bitcoin is because we do see the relationship between all these things, or at least some of them, and how much better it could be, you know, how much, how much better is education going to be in 50 years or 100 years or 150 years than what it is today and what we experience. I mean, we've talked about this before offline, like, I have a running list for the last like 10 years of all these different curriculum items that I'd love to see on like an, ide an ideal K to 12 education. And, you know, it's so I just do it for fun, because I'm like, Oh, man, how cool would it be to like, when you're eight years old, have this be a part of your curriculum and your education and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I think should Bitcoin succeed in a world that is predicated on that, we're, there's going to be a renaissance of, well, of so many things and education is going to be one of them. That being said, I mean, if I, if I try to be as sympathetic as I can to the state of affairs, I mean, I can appreciate that it's difficult to determine what education should be because wrapped up in that is a determination of what is it that we should be striving towards 
what is the thing that's that's most valuable that we should be attempting attempting to actualize ourselves in order to achieve or become and that's a really difficult question to answer by every individual and of course it's the further out you get from the individual the more difficult it is to answer it's so mm -hmm. it's even difficult for a parent to determine for a child what the relevant education should be even more so for a community to determine for the community members and of course even more you know absurdly difficult for a nation state to determine for each individual child what their education should be what they should be striving for because how is that determined you know and we wind up in the realm of of religious and theological and philosophical discourse when we ask a question like well what are we, what should we be striving for what's the thing of what's the thing of greatest value that we're trying to uh extract from our environment or provide to our environment or become you know and so i can i can appreciate that that is a very difficult task and that part of education learning anything is figuring out which contours to place on the process right what what limit limitations to place in there so that you can help foster the the appropriate education and i think that's like a very difficult task and of course like i said i'm in, in, in very critical of the state presuming to assume that mantle and and provide those answers but even as like, you know, and I'd love to get your insight on this because you've done it. One of the things that intimidates me is like, when I become a parent, I'm for sure not going to be living in a place that doesn't allow me to choose the education uh, for my kids. But I'm also intimidated by the prospect of me provide like being a big part of that education, not just like the time and energy considerations, which are probably substantial, but also just like how like I'm an imperfect person. I have my own bullshit. I have my own biases and prejudices. Like, how do I not impose that on them? And how do I, you know, nudge them in the right direction? And how do I pick up on the nuances of what they're interested in and whatnot? And like, how do I give them enough looks so that they can get a variety of exposure to things and figure out what they gravitate to the most? You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, the, flo the, the, the floor is yours, no <laughs> your experience. <laughs> There's, there's no answer to that there, there's um you know it comes back to human action right the uh you know if you take it all the way back and this idea that um man will act and having trust in the in the fact that the child will find a way to um educate themselves to a certain degree but then when you see that that little glimmer of interest in them uh whatever topic that might be that's when you get in the way and you put the tools in front of them that they can use to explore that particular subject. And that could be anything. That could be sport. That could be music. That could be reading. That could be writing. Um, that could be art. <clears throat> We've had all of these. And, you know, just simple acts like going out and buying, like, a, you know, a, a, a nice sketchbook and, you know, some decent pencils, like professional pencils. And just like having that, like, you like drawing you like anime you like uh you know making the cartoons i bought you this today or you know buying it picking up a secondhand guitar on ebay like it, any of these things like <clears throat> and then you take it one step further if that interest holds then you find maybe a mentor or a tutor or you you find uh some uh online courses or you you find a community college this is big in the u.s or you find actual in-person classes and you sign them up uh you know it's not all on you what is on you is to parent and to to care and to love for for the kid and that all comes naturally 
that mm. gets beaten out of parents so damn quickly because like you have this attack of parenting books like you know as as a new i remember this as as a new parent as we uh you know you're like okay shit we got this <laughs> this little thing coming soon like, like the, the little person's gonna turn up here like how do we do this right how do we not make mistakes how do we get the um the thumbs up from the community around us how do we make our parents proud how do we make our uh, brothers and sisters proud how do we make them the best that they're ever going to be and i'm going to need full answers to all those questions fyi <laughs> at some point i'll be hitting you up <laughs> well the, the 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 thing is this is what happens to us when you go through the state education system you believe the answer is in the book or if it's not in the book it's at least in the back of the book right and this is why we don't have problem solvers anymore in in any like in any part of society like today dealing with this freaking passport office lady uh she was trying her best she had to put me on hold while she looked up the article uh in her handbook of who and where to send me on the next stage mm -hmm. of like so that is her life it's look there's an answer in the book just follow the rules she's comfortable with that because that's what she was taught at school from the age of five here's a book that's what happened remember it and if you don't know it the answer's in the back of the book so when you become and talk, to be and talk about this talk about disengaging sorry to interrupt but just talk about yep. like the, the starting from when you're five years old and still being the case when you're 50 in that office like how engaged are you going to be in life? How much are you going to care about life? How exuberant are you going to be about it? How much of the energy and joy are you going to access when you go to work every single day after an hour commute each way and you open and your whole life is hi, let me check open book, pass along. And like, that's the extent of what is being asked of you and from you and what you're, what's even available to you, even if it was by your own volition to, to do with your, with your your time with the gift that you have of of you know being alive basically so of course yep. people are gonna eject you know eject disengage follow different uh abusive habits be they substances or ideas or behaviors or, or what have you i mean of course right and this is part of the thing that plagues society mm -hmm. today is you put that many people in these yep. mindless meaningless roles then they're going to engage in behaviors to cover up that sense of meaninglessness because who wants to confront that degree of uh, of lack of meaning so you get people that just uh wind up getting home tired disengaged bored falling into their dip in the sofa calling uber eats and slamming mm -hmm. on netflix right mm -hmm. rinse and repeat uh, and this is what we have this is society and it, it, it gets formed in the state education system it's by design and it there is malice a huge <laughs> amount of it um and yeah again john taylor gatto go read his work this guy was a teacher for 30 years himself and he won new york state teacher of the year three years in a row or something then he quit uh, because he suddenly figured it all out and he went down the rabbit hole of um you know the amount of like uh, eugenics wrapped up in the uh, in the, the education system is, is really disgusting. Like mm. this is um, you know causing um, societal uh, classes uh, from a very early age and, and labeling people from um, a very early age and and trying to make sure that the the more intelligent are placed together 
So they're more likely to breed with each other and the less intelligent are just, how do we just expel them and make them feel, uh, you know, worthless? You know, he, it's all there. All of that information is there. Uh, mm -hmm. And when you actually look at it objectively, you're like, oh, shit, yeah. So that was why we were set one through five in maths, English, and science, you know, the, you know, the STEM, like those those really important um, shame weighing, you know, if you're no good at math, you're nothing, right? You're, you're no one, you're nowhere. Uh, but if you're good at math and you're top set, like, yeah, you're amazing. This is, uh, you know, you're going to go yeah. places. You're going to be an remember, engineer, you're going to be a PhD scientist. You know. I remember being so distraught at, well, I remember crying my eyes out when I first encountered negative numbers, you know, because I was, I remember right. sitting at the dining table uh, with my dad and like he was trying to explain them. And I was just like, but how do you have less than nothing? It's not possible. Right. Like, and, and, I, and I just, you know, I, I couldn't understand it. And then math was never you know, I, I was good up until, as you said, like high school, and then it started getting, you know, too weird for me. And it is frustrating. And, and this is the, you know, this is one of the problems is that education is meant to empower you to further pursue the things that are most meaningful to you. And as a result of that, it should be something that you enjoy tremendously, because every step you take on that journey is feeding you literally via getting you closer to that thing that give, that causes meaning to well up inside of you. And so, and I think a lot of Bitcoiners for what it's worth are feeling this these days because Bitcoin has ignited, you know, for a variety of reasons, mm -hmm. but let's just say it has ignited this thing that's causing people to reassess and reconstruct and, and reapproach a variety of topics in order to understand Bitcoin better, in order to, to, yeah, to understand the, the implications better in order to reconstruct a perspective that's not so tethered in you know the the former fiat land the matrix whatever you want to call it and and that educate i mean they're doing that and enjoying it you know because it's 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 relevant now it's it they they can see the line between the thing that they're trying to become or pursue and the education that they're engaging in and so it's it it's so enjoyable as a result but when you're just force fed this stuff and you have no idea why you're learning it and it's and it's not related to what you think is most meaningful and what you most want to achieve and become when you can't see that line, then it's just aggravating. It's dull. It's, it's painful. And that that's been the experience of education for so many of us. And that's the, what, what, like, was the when, what, what was the one subject that you just hated going to? Like you just sat there, looked out the window, you're physics, like, physics, physics. I, yeah. Now, what do you think about physics? I love it. I'm physics. studying it more than ever. <laughs> Right, but Bitcoin did that to you, right? It's yeah, like, no, it really, it really what, what did. You, what, what's this guy talking about the first wall of thermodynamics? What the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. Yeah, it's I'm all just complicated like, math the and numbers that? and weird yeah. symbols. And like, this is stupid. But when you actually start trying to gain an understanding of the world and how it all works, and you look out and you think, well, of course, this makes sense if you account for this and this and this and this and this. And then you're like, oh, there's been, you know, a lot of people have come before me and have really put some time into this. And maybe I should, if I want to know more about it, I can consult their work. And once it has the proper framing, once it's it's has the proper relevance to an understanding that you're attempting to like to gain, then it's effortless. It's not, you know, it's not something that one, requires willpower from you. One more question for you. Did you have religious studies, religious education, anything like that in, no. uh, in your secondary no. school? 
nothing no. at all. No, very secular education all the way down for me. Right. Okay. So, but that wasn't in, the case for, for like, I went to private school from grade two onwards, but all the, like the local public schools in the city I was from, I think all of them, if not most of them were like religious denomination schools, you know, and it was a big deal when that started to unwind and kids from different denominations started being forced to go to the same school and parents were up in arms and all that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, the, the reason I asked is because, you know, that they were the lessons uh, that we had to sit through and I would just be like, the fuck am I doing here? Like, you know, and I'd just end up looking out the window and I just wondered whether you'd ever had the same, because now, like, now you're writing like 80,000 word essays on uh, like, uh, you know, religion and shit. You yeah. couldn't have pulled that off in the past because you'd have been forced to do it this is the yeah. difference it's forced education and it's forced association you do not choose who you are uh, interacting with you're put there and you do not choose what you are learning you're force-fed it so of course there's going to be disengagement it's it's, it, it, it's such nonsense when you like look at it objectively there's zero choice there is absolutely no sovereignty over that at all. Maybe you get a little bit of choice when it comes to like, uh, we have GCSEs in the UK. You've got to choose like uh, four subjects or five subjects because three or four are mandatory. Uh, I don't know how it works anymore. But otherwise, there's no choice. Um, you know, it's nonsense. It's everything that Bitcoin isn't. Yeah. And, and, once you get that disengagement, especially in, in the kind of chaotic mind of a young person, it, it goes off in all sorts of unproductive, oftentimes directions, you know, because it's not channeled properly. That's the, the point about these limitations, these parameters. You need them. It's just a, a way of how you determine what they are toward the most productive ends. And, and by productive, I mean, like, should, should it not be the case that you pursue knowledge and education to achieve a form of excellence in relation to the thing that you believe to be most meaningful. And if you can marry the two, maybe you end up creating valuable or beautiful works and become mm -hmm. a valuable or beautiful person. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you don't do that, if, you're, if those aren't channeled in the proper way, I think uh, that chaos escapes, basically. It's that energy is not channeled and you get... Yeah. You know, we've all heard the stories in schools today, like, you know, what percentage of kids are on are drugged up so that they are are tame or whatever in school and they're being fed garbage. They're being educated stuff that's irrelevant and uninteresting to them. They're responding in an in a totally expected way, which is, you know, to to not be engaged and to not be paying attention. Then they're being diagnosed for that as saying, oh, there's something wrong with you. It's not wrong with the system. It's not wrong with the food. It's not the teachers. It's not that anything else is wrong. It's you have some fucking chemical imbalance. So chew on these drugs so that you're docile and, you know, and you just sit there and, and you don't do anything. And so you'll you'll take the education we give you. And, and, and we're expecting them to turn into happy, well-adjusted people pursuing meaningful lives. No, they end up, you know, they end up being problems to themselves people. and them family and and otherwise and to the point that you made about parents earlier again i mean you can sympathize right because if you're a parent who doesn't know how to bring up a human being or educate a human being then how enticing is it to be like oh well the whole social order is there to say just give them to these people that they, they know what they're doing mm -hmm. they know how to educate them and you know 
well, you have a busy life and you have to work because, you know, more people are de deprived as ever as, as the state, you know, and, and theft is such a dominant component of people's lives. So people have to work more than ever. I don't ha have the time, even if I had the inclination or the confidence. So sure, like you guys are the pros, you do it. And there you go. Another responsibility shrugged off. And what are the detri detrimental effects of that? Well, we see them in, we see them everywhere in society today. Mass psychosis. Uh, you know, it's, it's sick. And, um, you know, this handing them over to the professionals as well. Right. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to rag on teachers, but there is a, a certain uh, personality type who is a true mentor, you know, like maybe we've been lucky enough to right? maybe yeah. you're lucky enough Best to meet one or two of all time, <laughs> pretty much. Right. These people, they get shaken out of the education system quicker than the kids. They're not welcome in the education system. We cannot mm. have true mentors in it. So what do we end up with? We end up with, uh, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate from a lot of teachers. How dare you? But most of them <laughs> paint themselves into a corner. They start off as teacher's assistants or they'll go through like four years and get like uh, like a, a teaching degree or something. You, you can't teach mentorship. You just can't. But what you can teach is an applied set of rules that is expected from you in the classroom situation and how to safeguard and how to, you know, tick boxes and all those kinds. You just become a state drone with a paycheck and a really cushy pension hanging over your head. So just stick around for 40 years and you'll be golden. Mm. And it, there's it's nonsense mate the whole thing is rotten to the core yeah it really is well that's that's the thing you know like maybe the answer is maybe homeschooling is just a dramatic response to just how horrible the system of education has become like it's probably going to be the case in the future that that's homeschooling is not the most efficient or even the most uh optimized way to deliver education but all as you mentioned like some some teachers are just you know crazy people, right? But there are some really, really great teachers out there that are well-meaning, empathetic, you know, and they want to be, a, they want to be a mentor and they have the capacity to be it. But as you say, they, they just get crunched into this cookie cutter and all the unique mm -hmm. things about them that they could uniquely deliver are not permitted, you know, just teach this curriculum, just test on, you know, on these metrics, whatever. And I think in, in the future that we are moving towards, hopefully, um, Teachers will be able to like, re, you know, refine their own ability to teach and to educate and to communicate. And people will put together teachers, educational tools and instruments that address all of these concerns that we're having. And, and maybe in that case, you might be fine to let your kid go to school for three, four hours a day because you, you, you'll be so much more confident that they'll be engaged. They'll be getting education that's meaningful to them. The people that are... Uh, giving it to them, won't be injecting agenda or their prejudice, pre ideologies, prejudices, biases, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, then, then maybe it balances off with still some education that you give at home because there's, there's only some things maybe only your family can, can provide or know you intimately enough to, to speak to, you know, that seems likely to be the case. And that would, maybe that would be more efficient, but in an interim period, I mean, I think you're probably an example of people just saying, fuck this shit like <laughs> we, we just got to get out of of here like you know the maybe the 
maybe the alternative is not a perfect solution yet, but it's definitely better than this garbage. Yeah, man. And, you know, bringing this back to Miami, I met so many plebs like you did. Uh, you know, people come up to you, tap you on the shoulder, and you have that initial conversation where you're like, who the fuck are you? Like, because you're, <laughs> you're a name on Twitter, like, and you check your phone. It's like, oh, right, that's you. Okay, great. And the biggest feedback I was getting about the pod is like, you know, number one, where the fuck's Lauren? Why didn't you bring her? Because, you know, she's the star of the show. <laughs> and, uh, number two, um, like, man, when you, you've opened my eyes to like homeschooling or state educa- uh, the state education system, where you've opened my eyes to thinking about this differently, or I will never send my kids to a, you know, because of, you know, the, the, the guests that I've had on the show, um, talking about this in the past so it's a it's a whole new subject for some people um and that's when you realize that the power of the conditioning if you never questioned it before like i hadn't up until 2014 never questioned it not once but no of course the kids when you were a kid did you question it like when you were in it all the damn time like what the fuck am i doing here this makes no mm. sense mm. like none like what a fucking waste of time or even worse, you're like, you're just knuckling down. Something's just clicking. You're just getting that, you know, whatever it is. You Maybe you're in physics. Maybe you're in science. Maybe you're in um, math. Maybe you're like deep into something in, in an English class. And, you know, you, it's just bring. Right. Close your books off the next lesson. You're like. Fuck that went like 12 minutes. Like I was into that. I could do this for the rest of the day. Mm. Hell, the rest of the week. I got a lot to say about like this, but no. Off, go, walk on the left, no running in the corridor, prefects every hundred yards, you know, like what the fuck is this? It's prison. Like it's, it's ridiculous, mate, but it's done with intent. Do you think, I mean, I'm basically a hundred percent certain that some Bitcoiner or many Bitcoiners probably very soon are going to start attacking this and offering different solutions be they online in person Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff i mean because i i think a lot of people share this view is that something that you ever see yourself being more involved in like projects that seek to reimagine how education is delivered yes uh there is uh there are a few things going on out there there's already um existing companies uh some plebs might have heard me talk about uh, a company called galileo uh, they've just rebranded to Kubrio, K-U-B-R-I-O, um, just because of trademark infringements. Like, you know, when they started the thing, they called it Galileo. That wasn't a problem. There was like five students. Now there's 250 families and it's, like, it's growing. And they're like, oh, shit, we better change the name before we get um, taken to court over this. Uh, so oh, you that can't, got, you, I guess you can't use be, Galileo's name. No. And there's another hundred, you know, websites out there with the same kind of, um, you know, so anyway, so that's rebranded and that's decentralized. The the kids uh, can choose exactly what they want to um, learn and interact with. Uh, They have different um, facilitators on there. It's all done via Zoom. There's going to be physical locations popping up around the world soon, which is going to be run by um, either existing parents or existing micro schools around that just plug into this network. Uh, there's a guy down in Madeira who is him and his wife are absolutely hell bent on building a kind of learning community down there for kids. They've got young kids themselves. They don't want the kids to go to state school. 
they want to buy some land and they want to set up like a, a little um not even a school school's such a so it's a wrong word for it just like learning community you know mm. and, and you go along and um you can find the people you need to find to come and uh, put on a week's course or you know it just even like uh the, the local community can run pop-ups meetups you know this is what bitcoiners do right like uh this is this is what we love doing we love sharing we love um knowledge um so many of us have so many different varied skills uh like canute could run a, a month-long sailing course for, for for dads and lads you know to go and you know just <laughs> just immerse yourself in sailing for a month and, and learn how to do that and learn how to tie the knots and all of this kind of stuff like actual life skills yeah or um well i mean sailor's a huge freaking fan of this right this is why he's got sailor.org and this is why mm. he's trying to distribute free education around the world for as many people as he can possibly reach and and him and jeff jeff davidson who runs that for him are doing incredible work there and yeah. they they won't stop they will not stop like that he he can't this is a passion of his and um before you know it there'll be someone else coming out and and, and doing this and uh the, the idea of mesh is a is another great concept i think bitcoiners plugging into bitcoin communities that are being built around the world uh and i think um education will be a huge part of that imagine if you could say like uh to your kids right we're gonna go for three months to learn about x in this country with a bunch of other like-minded families uh like okay let's go let's go mm -hmm. and master that skill and it's gonna be you know, run the, by Bitcoiners that, that give up. The, possibi the possibilities are endless. That's what, that's what's yeah. so exciting about it. It's like you're, you're tasked with the challenge of like, how do you equip young minds with the requisite knowledge and skills to engage with their environment in order to, for them to uh, achieve or become what is most meaningful to them. And like, that's mm -hmm. a pretty big design space, you know? So it could take the shape of so many different you could take many so many different forms and as you said i mean like the beef initiative thing in the us right now is has mm -hmm. become kind of a thing amongst bitcoiners right and it's e it would be easy to see how an education initiative could pop up you know people start making connections yeah. and building networks based on educational initiatives that they want to provide to their kids be they in certain physical jurisdictions online trips like the ones you just mentioned like those conversations will start happening because more and more people are going to not want to be having their kids brainwashed by, mm -hmm. you know, the bullshit education system as it exists today. And Slim's done a great job there. And, and that started with just education, right? It was a, it was educating the ranchers and educating the Bitcoiners. And then those that like fell into, uh, you know, one of those groups or, you know, bridge both of those groups, they get attracted to it. And before you know it, you've got a thing. So start a physics initiative start a math initiative start you know a whatever initiative like a, a music initiative how many musical bitcoiners are out there it's like right fuck it i'm gonna start a music initiative and we're gonna like we're gonna attract all of these musicians from all over the world and we're gonna come and we're gonna jam and Satoshi, we're gonna make satoshi's men's choir yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a, a barber's quartet would probably uh yeah. <laughs> it's probably gonna happen yeah and why not you know you know it's 
it's all about again self-sovereignty and taking charge of um of your own destiny and the, the things that you're interested in and what you want to learn and what you want to share more mm. importantly you know it, it comes back to mentoring um yeah and there's um so how do you I, how do you dictate that for your you and yourself like i mean you, you touched on a little bit for the kids but like you know mm -hmm. you're uh rubbing shoulders with presidents and and billionaires and stuff these days and you're deep into bitcoin land like what is it that you use to orient how you spend your time and your resources and, and what you're trying to engage in the most mm, good question um whatever pushes bitcoin adoption forward it, it that's your primary yeah. objective so uh, without even thinking about it that just like uh, when i look at like my behavior over the last few years that's it's always been that's the base layer it's like dan why the fuck did you do that like you know retrospectively thinking about it like why did you do oh right okay because you would just want more people to learn about bitcoin so how can you have the most impact in doing that um like the, the bitcoin racing guys why am i why why am i drawn to that i grew up watching motorsport and now there's a motorsport team dying to promote bitcoin to as many people as they can and they're a family team they're just mom and dad and two brothers and uh, one of their you know a couple of friends driving these cars around trying to get into the the next level so they can reach a bigger audience uh, and what do they need they need help uh, so i'm gonna devote my time and my effort into you know trying to use what uh you know little uh presence i have in the bitcoin space to you know, project a light on them and say, guys, look at what this team is trying to achieve. Who else is out there? Who can help them? Are you a mechanic? Are you a marketing guy? Are you just a pleb? It doesn't matter. Like, who, who are you? Are you a motorsport fan like me? Uh, look, look what Pete's doing with the football club, right? It, this is huge. Um, I know he cops a lot of flack, but the fucker <laughs> bought a football team. Like, it's it's amazing and um there's gonna be a, a big bitcoin meetup there on the first game of the season next weekend so what does that going? do no I, I well maybe if i'm still stuck in the uk i don't get this passport issue sorted out i'll go for sure um and it would be you know what are you doing there like there's a thousand people there that never heard about bitcoin before all right now they're gonna hear about bitcoin what are the bitcoin racing guys doing you know uh, at the local meetup um we had here last weekend maybe there were five to fifteen thousand people there i don't know i don't know how many people the youtube channel reaches but the commentator on one of the races said oh and here goes car 21 right with the el salvador flag on the roof and the reason they're flying that is because el salvador were the first country to adopt bitcoin instead of real money but i guess that's a comment uh that that's a conversation for another day like bam that right. guy that guy did not contact the team and ask them, you know, why are you carrying the flag? He had to go research it. So, you know, these little touch points. So when I look at, you know, what's driving my behavior, it is, uh, yeah, it's, it's to push the message of Bitcoin to as many people as possible. That's why I started the podcast. Um, yeah, and that's why, you know, I'll go and uh, shake hands with the president of Madeira and, um, you know, answer his questions. How... Uh... How has the rabbit hole, you know, we've been talking about uh, how Bitcoin in particular seems to ignite, you know, a ferocious kind of desire to understand a broad variety of topics and stuff. Has that been the case for you? And if so, what 
that previously wasn't of that great interest to you has become of keener interest? Hmm. Yeah, good question. <clears throat> um, I, I think a love of learning. Uh, you didn't have that before? No. No, I was just on autopilot. Uh, and again, that was a, because um, that's what happens in the state education system. Mm. again you know to, to rag on that again it cripples that love of learning it knocks it out of you uh because you're not allowed it like you, you you're told what to learn you, you know and you're told what you and you're told keep your head down learn this shit and you'll get a good job you're like oh okay um so you don't learn you don't read outside of the curriculum you, you in fact you end up leaving school hating reading hating writing mm. because you're done with it like you know no i will never write another five fucking thousand word essay in my life i mean thank god for twitter you know like 140 characters like <laughs> yeah, how much wisdom can you can you put in like that amount of uh, of words and that is a skill in itself um it, yeah it, it's completely reignited i've read more books in the last four years than i would have done in you know the preceding lifetime i suppose what, what were some of your favorites books yeah oh oh my god who have i, I know it's kind of hard to kind of hard yeah. to think back no, I'm, but... I'm thinking you know andy's gonna be pissed if i don't say why buy bitcoin by andy edstrom uh and i don't even get commission so <laughs> i don't even believe you've read that one i mean i certainly haven't read it i don't i don't really know anybody who has <laughs> <laughs> i hope you're watching andy um <laughs> mate you know all of them bring something different right um there's um you know all of canute's books i think i think that is such a special skill as well to to be able to write so succinctly in in a language that is not even your native tongue about a freaking subject so abstract as bitcoin mm. and try and try and portray that message think is incredible uh so you know huge kudos to all of the the authors out there that have managed to pull that off um as dumb native english speakers you know it's uh it's it's almost it, that to me is a superhuman power well you wrote um, a book i mean not about bitcoin but you know you know what the yeah. writing process is like at least yeah hell uh, so <laughs> <laughs> no one enjoys that um i feel yeah this. That, you know, I, I just read a book. Uh, it's downstairs. Uh, you know, I'm leaving it downstairs, hoping somebody picks it up. You know, <laughs> it's um, and it's called. Uh, I'd never heard of this lady. Her name is uh, Victoria Colette Jones, and she's an ex dentist, UK um, trained, and uh, owned her own profession here. And she's written a book called Truth Decay, and why Bitcoin fixes this. Really, I that's the her... subtitle. Yeah, <clears throat> and. Um, I met her at uh, the BTC adventure, which was laid on in an adventure uh, park in, in the UK at the beginning of uh, July in Bristol, just outside of Bristol. And she gave her this talk and I was like, How? Who's, where has she come from? Like, you know, it was deep down the rabbit hole stuff. And uh, her book is, is great. It's very humble. It's, it's well-written. Um, is truth decay like a play on tooth decay as a dentist? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, there are so many great books out there. So, wait, wait, so wait, wait, wait. What, 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 what was? Tell me more about this book. You know, th that's the other just insane thing. As more and more people tune into Bitcoin, I mean, so many of them become inspired to express what they're learning in some capacity, right? Podcasts, articles, books, art, whatever. And I mean, there's just so many, uh, so much content there now. I mean, we've talked about this before, how like it's just a tsunami of of content, mm -hmm. which which makes it harder to escape. But I just find it, um, I find it awesome that this thing is so inspiring that even people that never thought about writing a book, you know, myself included, to be yep. honest, uh, we're looking forward are just to like, are, well, just compelled, you know, it's like, got to be done. Not like, I, I, yep. I know I'm not going to make, most people are probably operating on the assumption, I'm not going to make money out of it. It's not going to be read that many by many people, by that many people has to be done, you know, and they go ahead and do it. And I guess, you know, the one you just mentioned came about in that kind of a way, but like, What's the what's the gist of it? It's a personal story about uh, how she was trying to um, you know uh, move away from practicing within the NHS to start in her own dental practice to being able to accept Bitcoin payments and then just falling down the rabbit hole of Bitcoin and how that shone a light on the whole dental practice and the kind of malpractices that were being pushed within the system and within especially the NHS system uh, to the point of, um, you know, having to completely break away from it entirely. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a good personal story that interweaves all of the, the you know, the Bitcoin narrative and, um, uh, you know, touches on everything. I think it's a real good beginner's book uh, to pick up. It's very approachable um so yeah it's um you know it's, and it's not huge it's like uh like an easy read which i think mm. is important um yeah that's uh, awesome so how about you i mean like i'm sure we've read a stack of the same stuff yeah man i'm 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 reading a lot lately more than i ever have and i've always loved reading even like school didn't beat it out of me. I would just read other stuff than, you know, what I was supposed to be reading in school. But um, I mean, my still my the book that I was most impressed and impacted by was Maps of Meaning by Peterson. Um, and, you know, I think with all books, you kind of have to separate the content and the wisdom of the book from the author in a certain sense, because it's such a, a sliver of time and a sliver of their mm -hmm. mind. And it because, you know, oftentimes, and I only say this because some people dislike Peterson and or maybe, you know, who knows what he will become in the eyes of history, let's say. Um, but the book is so different from most of the things that he comments on today and the, the way he talks and all that kind of stuff. And of course, it's going to be right, because like stream of consciousness speaking is one thing, but like being meticulous about forming ideas and and constructing arguments and that kind of stuff is you can be a lot more precise. And he was in that book and it was just incredible. But um, I'm also, I mean, I'm, I'm reading like eight books right now just because I get so, depending on my mood, I, I want to hop around. And to be fair, not, I don't read a ton of Bitcoin books. Um, so, I mean, 
off the top of my, I'm reading uh, On Liberty by John Stuart Mill right now. And I really like how I, I like his style of writing and communication. You know, it's very kind of like 1800s English, but, you know, he would fit right in on this conversation, right? I mean, his whole thing was, you know, the mass is stupid and we have to defer to the individual to determine what's right for themselves. And they shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't be imposed or coerced away from, you know, engaging in their own free will to determine what is most valuable and what is best for themselves. And that's the way you define not only your intellect, but your moral, you know, character, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm reading the Bible and the Quran sim simultaneously, uh, cover Holy to cover. Shit. Wow. Yeah, and and uh, those are both very interesting. Um, I couldn't have dropped out on your desk at the age of 14 and said, John, wade yourself through that. Well, actually, you probably could have. You, you probably yeah. could have. I, I was into that kind of, I mean, the Bible, I was somewhat um, resistant to just because it was part of like the mainstream and I was seek, always seeking out like obscure sort of stuff. So like I, I went to uh, Nepal in, when I was 17 and in Kathmandu, there's all these like, you know, spiritual bookstores, right? With all this stuff on death and Buddhism and Hinduism and meditation and all that shit. And no, I loved all that stuff. I brought a bunch of stuff home with me, but the Bible just seemed like part of the the dominant thing. And I was mm -hmm. I was kind of resistant to that, but I've come around a lot at, on that. And I figured it was time to read it cover to cover because I've read snippets of it and have even quoted it at times. And uh, I just feel like I need the full context. Uh, what else? I mean, lots of obscure stuff that, you know, like papers from... 1400 that aren't even formal books and you know that kind of jazz just to see what people were thinking at the time but again i mean there's not enough hours in the day you know there's just there's so much interesting shit to to learn while at the same time you well i don't think i'm in danger of this but i i like it's important to remember that all of that is not just so that you can know and regurgitate, this is what we've been saying the whole time, know and regurgitate the ideas that other people have articulated in the past, but so that you can properly contextualize and, and create an environment whereby you can generate novel ideas um, mm -hmm. and put them forward based on the novel environment and circumstance that you're in. Because mm -hmm. however our environments are similar to Mill in the 1800s, you know, the, the people who wrote the Bible and, you know, uh, you know, 2000 years ago, there are things that are different about our environments now. And that means that different ideas are going to be more or less congruent with what's happening now. And of course, evolution continues to happen culturally and in terms of language and symbolism and all that kind of stuff. And so I don't like, I don't think you just want to read so that you can be impressive at a dinner party. You want to read so that you can test your own ideas against those of the past, contextualize them properly and try to squeeze out something novel, yep. you know, and, and connect uh, some of the dots to the now. Right. I mean, if you yeah, gave, yeah, exactly. if you, if you had a room of 10 people and you gave them one paragraph to read and asked them to underline the key points, you'd get completely different, you know, like mm -hmm. completely mm -hmm. because it, that, that paragraph is going to speak to someone in a completely different manner because of the different lives that you have led up until that point. You know, like you've been on your Amazon expeditions and, uh, you know, uh, snorting Araska and doing all of that kind of <laughs> shit. I haven't done that. 
right? But we can read the same paragraph and that's something in that paragraph is going to click with you because of some, and a different line in that paragraph is going to click. And then we can have a completely different conversation about those specific sentences in which we've underlined. But just memorizing that paragraph to fill in on some test paper or write an essay about it and have some disinterested examiner who's sitting a thousand miles away go through it with a red pencil or pen like that <laughs> it's nonsense yeah it's totally and i i think the other reason why um anytime you write you end up reading a lot and i think one of the reasons is not so much just to synthesize a perspective based on that reading because like i said you know the bulk of the if you're going to put anything forward in the form of writing that you are going to operate at least on some kind of presumption that people are going to be interested interested in reading i think part of that presumption has to be because you think it's novel or unique in some way and and the only way to do that is to you know generate it by yourself and not necessarily synthesize it but i think a, a big part of at least it seems to me why I've been doing a lot of reading lately is because, and Peterson talks about this a lot, right? Like you want to make sure that every sentence and every paragraph and every chapter and the mm -hmm. book itself and how you communicate generally and who you are and the, the family you're a part of, it all coheres or clicks in with the broader circumstance, or at least the one that you're trying to address. And I think, you know, reading a variety of different uh, opinions in different time periods in similar subject matter as the one you're addressing helps you figure out the proper way to communicate in a manner that that communicates to your audience that you appreciate how their own perspective the source of their own perspective and where they may be coming from such that you can more uh capably kind of penetrate their perspective and and attempt to deliver a new one or a different angle on it you know so I, Rand, I think... random question how how do you read everyone has a reading process right uh is, is that a is that a weird question have you ever been asked that before uh, do you mean like what like, i use a, it, it, i use a kindle to do yeah. most of my reading <laughs> is that what you mean? no like do you say uh, do you do you try and do like this uh like columns i decide and speed read do you read every single word do you go back and read a sentence do you are you highlighting are you underlining are you sitting up at a desk do you need to be in a quiet situation are you listening to music right right uh i don't need to be in any you know quiet situation i read every word you know slowly and carefully so that i can get it all and then i highlight whatever i find meaningful and and the, the kindle's actually been great because before you know you highlight with your pen and then you got to take your own notes later. Um, but you, with the Kindle, you highlight a section and then there's a whole file with all your highlights in them that you can go back and refer to. And it tells you, you know, where in the book they're from and that kind of stuff. So that's been super helpful. And the Kindle is just, I, I resisted it for ages cause I loved physical books, but that was stupid. You know, I got 50 books on, you know, that thing can hold like thousands of books. You can highlight super easily at battery life for days. It's really easy to read outside and uh, and the, like I do audiobooks sometimes, but one, you know, taking notes and underlying is, uh, underlying, underlining is harder in that medium. Uh, and if I know it's going to be one that I want to do a lot of that on, I'll, I'll read the book. If it's just like a common book that everyone's read and says you need to read, I might do the audiobook, but I, I still like to read the words. 
What about um, you? What kind of what kind of reader are you, Dan? Yeah, I, uh, good question. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to refine it because I I want to read more. Um, I get FOMO uh, and try to read too quickly and end up having to go back. So I've got to like, refine what I'm doing. Um, but I, I prefer. Isn't... I've tried the Kindle, um, but I prefer like uh, actual actual books. Um, I've never I'd never underlined the books before. Uh, I thought that was defacing, you know, like uh, the, the work. But now I'm voraciously <laughs> voraciously underlining shit and uh, asterisks, and uh, I, I find that helps me. Um, it helps me st- helps me stick it in my mind. I suppose just just that that action uh yeah i i need a dead quiet space though like uh, i've got to be I, I can't be near a device um because i know i'll get attracted over here um and uh you know it's it's pretty difficult when you got uh so many kids running around the place well, sure, asking sure. things of you um yeah so I, I i just um yeah i was just curious uh because I, you know there's I've heard different ways. Yeah, I've heard different uh, conversations about this. Like the best way to get this information into you as quickly and most uh, in a more efficient way. But yeah, probably yeah, uh, I, probably I, bullshit. Uh, I of course can't relate to the 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 kid distractions yet, but uh, you know the pull of Twitter, I can, and it's it's gotten to such a point lately that I basically don't use it. I give myself a, a little scroll in the in the morning. And then, you know, I try to make it so that's it because, you know, you, you end up asking yourself like, well, what's the best use of my time? And yeah. if you really are interested in devoting it to more meaningful pursuits, then it's kind of hard to rationalize, you know, scrolling. But when you get that epiphany, that, do, do you not just have to tweet it? Like, uh, like, no, oh, man, no, really? no, because, well, because so many, so much. many of them require a bit of context, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to just, you know, <laughs> like you said earlier in 240 or 70, uh, words, you know, spit it out. And, uh, so I, and also there's so much, no, like, does everything need to be said? Like as a, as a, as a throwaway tweet, you know, every fucking hour or something like that. Like, I don't know to each their own, of course. And, and I'm, and I still love Twitter, of course, but, um, it just seems like uh, more and more the more appropriate and use of time is to devote it to more valuable work, let's say. Mm-hmm. And the pods, you're still doing the pods. You're doing a great job, man. I'm closing the loop as well. Well, thank you. Thank you. As you can tell, the, these ones are mostly just for me to talk with my homies, you know, <laughs> no, <Yeah>. particular, <laughs> no particular uh, angle, you know, like I, it's, it's cool. No because agenda. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's cool because, you know, you can kind of use, especially when uh, it all feeds into each other, you know, like if, if you're, if you are writing something or if you're engaging in a piece of work of whatever kind, you know, you can, you can get people on the podcast that help you refine your thinking in that regard. And that's kind of a handy way of, you know, killing two birds with one stone. Um, but yeah, and, and the, the CT pod has been great. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit more formal than this one. And we focus on, uh, you know, speaking with people that are building, you know, real solutions in the space. And that's been super cool. So yeah, I'm, it's, everything is good, you know, despite the, the crazy clown world that seems to be falling apart all around us. I mean, 
the the, the song well, the sooner it does the better right that's, no i i totally thing. agree but the song that's been popping into my mind lately is um you know the one that goes it's the end of the world as we know it but i feel yeah. fine <laughs> you know there's so many great memes in the in bitcoin that like you know reflect that right like the um what's the the green toes name i'm blanking on it now pepe where pepe, pepe is like yeah on his rollerblades, you know, just like jamming out, like <laughs> going, going through the city that's burning to the ground or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of great memes around it, but yeah, we, I mean, we shall see that. I, I mean, maybe we close with a little comment on the macro, but it yeah, just seems like it's, it, it, it seems it's kind of always seemed like at any given moment, things could just pop off and get totally crazy. Uh, but it does seem like that is becoming more the case all the time now and even with this like brief uh covid reprieve it's just there's, there's so much stuff happening and and everyone's kind of just thinking like oh powell pivot fire up the money printer again and there'll be you know uh kind of exuberant or fun times uh, at least for a little while as a result but i'm not so sure i like i'm, I'm sure that's going to happen eventually but it just th there seems to be too many things uh that are kind of falling apart for us to go back to any sort of familiar time that we might have been used to in the past. No, exactly, mate. They're going to keep printing. Like this is, this is their game. These are the rules that they know. It's the game that they've devised and they're going to keep making that top 0.1% even richer. Until Why but, wouldn't they, yeah, they have the power to, to do it? So, yeah, sure. But, you know, aren't things... There is a breaking point, right? Socially, if not yep. monetarily. They, they don't fucking care. As soon as it breaks, they just go into hyperdrive, right? And that's what you get. That's why you get hyperinflation. Mm. That's they they will not stop. They just can't. Because it becomes um they they are gonna like self-protect themselves against that as much as possible. And they have the ultimate answer: just print more cash because it goes in our pockets. And then we just escape the country when it all goes to freaking hell. Like, you know, rinse and repeat. And it's been done a thousand times over. Uh, what, so... are things, what are things like in the places that you've been? So the UK, France, like mm -hmm. sentiment, prices, turmoil. Yeah, the, 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 the prices are ridiculous. But the sentiment is, ah, you know, what are you going to do? You know, the prices go up. You know, like my parents have had a lifetime of prices going up. I showed them WTF happened in 1971 the other day. And I'm like, well, why do you think this is? Why do you think this is? Why do you think this is? Why do you... And, you know, the, the answer to each graph, like, uh, nope, 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 nope. No what? No what? Um, like, what, I was asking, why do you think this? Oh, maybe it's because. Maybe it's because. It's oh, like, I, see, I see. No, the answer is the money's broken. And this is when we come off the gold standards, uh, like officially, uh, like the, the, the Nixon rug pull. And look what's happened. All of these graphs. Uh, and, um, you know, it's I love such how a you're powerful still, tool. You're still trying to, like, oh, yeah. orange pill or red pill, red pill and orange pill the parents, you know, yeah. <laughs> throwing the WTF happened in 1971 at them and stuff. But even even today, I was walking around um, one of the local stores here, and there's even teenagers in there walking around still with masks on. Like the psychological damage that's been mm. done to some people is just irreparable. There's still signs up, 
like the big yellow council signs like NHS vaccination center this way. And they're still sending out um, uh, like fourth booster reminder letters uh, to you know all of the, the communities, which just blows me away. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's madness. Um, the, the, the price of fuel is retarded. Uh, you know, all across Europe, I'm sure you've seen the um, the news, and uh, of course, everybody gets tricked into believing it's it's Putin's price hike, uh, cost of living crisis, all of this. Just so it's such an easy narrative, just to sit them down at ten o'clock and say it's all Putin's fault. Oh, yeah, it's all Putin's fault. Fucking Putin. <laughs> right? What's the weather? Oh, it's going to be sunny tomorrow. All right, let's go to bed. And it wakes up and it's raining, and people are pissed off and they're fucking angry. <laughs> you lie to us about the weather yeah (laughs) um mate uh, you know all all over the world like most people are you know fat and angry and they don't understand why Mm. you know i eat my cereal in the morning i eat my muesli you know i eat healthily it's like no you don't you've been fucking tricked into thinking that is healthy for you and that is making you sick and that's giving you diabetes and then, you know not only that your kids as well it's like well why don't i have any money because prices are rising out of control because the money's broken it's it's really difficult when when you when you realize as we bitcoiners do like the money is broken that's that's the answer mm. like there it is why Breaks is this because stuff. the money's broken yeah because the money's broken and now we have this this answer uh another thing here that that you know is going on in the uk they've been showing um live debates between the two prime ministerial um candidates why the fuck is anyone watching that you don't have a vote so it's just literally pure theater it's bread and circuses. They don't have a right. vote because the party members choose the leaders. Is that what you mean? Because Johnson was ousted, yeah. right? So now it's just within the party. They're just fighting yeah. in the party. So mm. the party's going to choose. And they already know. So all of this is just pure theater now. And they will just drag this out as long as they can. Why are people watching it if you don't have a vote? It doesn't make sense, right? It just doesn't. So, you know, well, I mean, and, as we've been saying this whole conversation, people's whole life, they've been conditioned to care about things that are irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what, what do you expect? That. Precisely that, mate. Uh, and, you know, the, look at what's going on in Germany with the, um, the, the, the fuel crisis that's going on over there. Um, you know, it's a complete disaster. And there's going to be a lot of turmoil, mate, you know, as, as we go into autumn and winter. And the, the cost of food is going to start going up. Uh, and I just hope people are, um, are, are ready. Uh, and I don't think that many people are. Mm. So where does it break? You know, do, do people take to the streets? That never fixes anything. Ever. Mm-hmm. And Canada. I mean, what the fuck? What is going on there? Uh, you know, since the, um, the the truckers convoy and everything, you know, just smashed. Everybody's bank accounts frozen. 
nobody in the UK knew that was even going on because it wasn't being reported. The BBC would not report it. They didn't report it for about a week. Really? This was a Commonwealth country. Like, <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. So people may are, uh, yeah, they're angry and they can't put their finger on it. And uh, of course, it's just easier to blame whoever's being blamed in the news at the time or to, to shine a light on uh, a group of people, you know, the, the unvaccinated, for example, uh, and, you know, point at them for uh, three to six months and then move on to the next subset of people. And this is what people are manipulated into doing all the time. And it's mm. just not going to stop. Like, uh, yeah, this monkeypox bullshit right now. Like the, the who coming out uh, and claiming that um, it's, uh, you know, it's being spread by gay men. Have we been here before? AIDS? <laughs> like, well, you the know? thing that I, that I was wondering about that, because I think San Francisco declared it a public health emergency. And I'd like to know, and maybe this has been the case, in which case, you know, good. But has the over 100,000 opioid deaths in the U.S. Uh, last year has that been declared a public health emergency? Because no. as far as I know, uh, with monkeypox, nobody has died. And even if they have, I think it's a relatively small number at, at this point. But, you know, 100,000 healthy young people dying of drug overdoses and all the different circumstances that precipitate those drugs being available and, you know, and them wanting to take them and blah, 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 all that stuff. That seems like a emergency, you know, that's more than a Vietnam war in terms of death toll every single year, you know, as far as the American uh, casualties for the entirety of that war. So that seems like it's notable, but you don't hear a peep. Nope. Too much money, mate. Too many people making too much money off of those drugs. Yeah. But look, on a hopeful note, um, of course, there's still a lot of people that Presuming we're right, which of course we may not be, but uh, we do put a lot of effort into making sure that our perspective is as valid and grounded in truth as, as possible. Uh, even though there's a lot of people that still fail to see the connections between all this stuff and fail to appreciate the, the manner in which Bitcoin is a way to isolate or insulate yourself to some degree from what's happening, um, you know, to achieve greater freedom, broadly speaking, uh, Every day, more people trickle in, right? Like that that book that you mentioned, uh, Truth Decay, like what's her network? A few hundred people, her former patients, her community, that kind of stuff. They read it. It's a data point. Everyone who writes an article, does a podcast, writes a book, does a speech, hosts a conference, hosts a meetup, does a, you know, a beef initiative. Like every day, there's people trickling in and mm -hmm. trickling in and trickling in. And that's the only way this can happen. Back to what we how we open this up. Like, it can't happen by just, you know, if Biden got on the horn tomorrow and said, you know what, I'm doing an about face. We've been, we fucked this all up. Bitcoin <laughs> is the way that we fix this, you know, fiat, just, we're going to abolish the Fed and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure some people would be happy about it, but that wouldn't be the solution because the people who would be exposed to that measure would have no idea why or why it's valuable or how to engage it. You know, this is an individual revolution. And so it's going to happen 
perhaps on a on a slower time scale than we're used to things happening because in a centralized system you say hey this is the law now and everyone has to conform and that's a relatively speedy process but when it takes every individual changing their perspective and changing their preferences and changing their behavior that takes time but more and more every day right and which is why and you know we have a unique perspective on this because we kind of have a front row seat to seeing the personalities that pop up and getting to communicate with them and you know seeing what's happening broadly in the industry and you know it's what could be more encouraging because it, it isn't just like a like a, a temporary or a facade of change like we're seeing really fundamental changes on an individual level on what how these people are ultimately choosing to what they're choosing to value the lives they're, they're pursuing you know uh, the relationships we're building, all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's really, really, really positive and good from my perspective. And the fact that more people are getting exposed to the potential of that every single day, I mean, that's a tremendous reason for hope. Of course, we'd like it to happen faster, but um, it's, you know, this is, this is part of the reason why I say it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine because this has happened. And and maybe it couldn't happen any faster, happen right? Any maybe, there's, maybe there's, who knows what, what kind of forces are really at play, but uh, um, yeah, you, lots, you've gone lots, lots to be optimistic about, I guess, is my, what I'll say. I don't know whether it's just my earphones, but you've gone a little robotic. So if you need to pl uh, fiddle a wire, then uh, just, just give it a little fiddle. Or maybe uh, that's our, maybe that's our cue. It could be our cue, but I just, yeah, yeah I just want to um, push home what you're saying. A lot of fiat, idiots out there will uh you know start smashing the freaking tweets out as soon as the price of bitcoin tanks you know they all come rushing out uh rubini taleb whoever told you so like they're, they're focusing on the wrong thing like don't focus on the price you're right focus on the people that are joining the network each day and that number goes up every single day that number will not go down it just will not so the more people every day that join this network, which is inevitable, it's only going one way because there's only 21 million and we all know the issuance schedule and there's the two-week uh, difficulty adjustment. The whole thing's freaking amazing. Put a fucking pin in it, John. It's been, a, it's been an amazing rip and uh, it's, great to, uh, it's great to hang out with you, brother. I appreciate you asking me on. Yeah, bro, it's always yeah, great bro, to chat. Great to chat. Um, like I said, I felt like I had that. I thought I'd while. I don't know why to do this, but I will let you get back to your family, back to your family now. Your family now. Two hours. Two hours. So keep up the great work. Keep up the great work. Of course, of course. Keep you know, you know, convincing heads of state, heads of state, other fancy, important, fancy, unmeritable, unmeritable Bitcoin. I'm sure I'll be talking to you all the documents. I'll do my best, brother. Thanks. Right. Uh, thanks for everything right. you do. Appreciate you, man. Take care. All right, brother. See you. All right, brother. See you.